0: Good evening and welcome to the beautiful Historical Marionette Theater. Tonight we're going to be discussing a one-season wonder. We find aliens and maybe we stepped on them? And now they're angry, like the ants on the hill. Oh no, what are we going to do? Well, grab your seats. The show is about to begin. Oh... Hey there, Topster. Mid-February.
1: How's life treating you? Well, just fine. I mean, how the hell it got to be mid-February? I don't know, but I mean, you know, uh, uh, St. Valentine's Day was the other day, and I mean, everything seemed perfectly normal. But, uh, yeah. Um, <gasps> Oh, I don't know. Uh, no, everything's perfectly fine.
0: So you know, um, I, I I know that uh, you're you're playing the the violin by yourself sometimes. But since it was recently Valentine's Day, let's just think back to maybe a a happy moment with rose petals and whatnot. Oh
1: yeah.
0: What what would you say is probably your fondest? Valentine's or date moment. What What was the most romantic experience you remember?
1: All right, okay, I can play with this. DJ. Once upon a time, uh, I was going out with someone, and uh, Valentine's Day uh, came up, and he read, uh, I went down from my apartment to get into my car. And I found on the seat uh, a little box of uh, those little hearts. Mm -hmm. Those little, like, you know, hard candy, horrible, disgusting (laughs) hearts. Oh, the conversation. Yeah, that had conversation. And anyways, it was just a little tiny nice little thing for Valentine's Day, and he had gone to the trouble uh, to somehow break into my car <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, leave a little box of those things on the seat of my car. And, oh, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I mean,
0: um, am I bad if, if my, my most romantic moment isn't necessarily with my husband. I mean, we've been together 14 years and we've had some wonderful moments, but, you know, not everybody sees the same movie twice. And maybe, you you know, you you want that uh, experience that's on the cover of the romance novel. I mean, you know, I can't believe it's not butter. But I I will say that one of the uh, most unique experiences I had from a Valentine's Day was um, after I was newly single, I had just traveled to the East, because I was was living in Colorado at the time, and I went to the convention that I dragged you to a few times, the Farpoint Convention, and I came back. Now this happened to be around Valentine's Day, and when I came back, the person I was seeing at the time met me at the airport, picked me up with flowers and candy. Well, speaking of things that are heart-shaped and rose petals, uh, our senior showgirl has got a lovely ensemble on tonight. Are you, are you around, Miss Gertie?
1: Well, yeah. What the hell do you think I'm doing here behind the concession stand, DJ? Jesus. Well, stirring Bloody Marys,
0: I hear. Do
1: you know how long it takes you to start this goddamn fucking show?
0: <laughs> but as long as oh. it takes to read your life insurance policy,
1: <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> Holy Jesus! Ooh, so, Miss yeah.
0: Gertie, would you do us a favor? Let us know what we're um, discussing tonight. Could you get okay. down to the stage? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind You're those, right. mind those stilettos. I, 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 I'm still checking the floor for gum.
1: Listen, you just shut your face. I'll go down now. Okay, there you go. Hey.
0: There she goes. Oh, remind me to talk to her pastor. Okay, well, here we go, folks.
1: It's the sixth decade of the 21st century. Humanity has battled their own creations that turned against them and set their sights on the stars. But no sooner do we raise our flag on our new homes than on new enemy surfaces. This time, they don't look like us. So many questions. Where do they come from? How do we send them home? Well, grab a helmet and a flight suit. It's time for Space Above and Beyond. Take it away, fellas!
0: What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies. And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your hosts, DJ and Tommy. You know, one of the things that we forgot to mention is that, um, amongst other things, was recently Valentine's Day, but tonight's discussion features in part an unexpected separation from a loved one. In light of this, we are dedicating this episode to a loved one of a friend of the show, Tommy, and his loved one, Abby. Oh, uh, all right. Well, so, you know, Toppy, this program came out in 95. Now, I, I, I had not graduated yet, I know. yeah. Uh, but uh, this was on television and what? it came out in the fall. Yeah,
1: on the Fox on the new it, Fox was kind of new yeah
0: so we've dug up a trailer
1: for you Ooh. to
0: uh, listen to oh and, yeah uh, I want to hear this I want to hear this yeah this is a teaser of what was to come on the Fox TV station in the fall of 95 here we go we stand
2: beneath a new heaven after 150 years of Calling out, the silence of the universe assures us we are alone. You and I are among the first to bring life to the stars, to this planet, the farthest any human has ever ventured. One thousand light years from planet Earth, unexplained events are taking shape that will threaten the future of mankind. Now... Three young cadets will begin training to take on an enemy the world never knew existed. I am here to turn you slimy pavilion death bull parasites into United States Marine Corps' base aviators! You're dead! The entire squad is dead! And it's your fault! What the hell are you doing? Shut up! You are dead. Like all recruits, they dream of a chance to go into combat, but they have no idea how terrifying war can be. I can't leave! I will find you! Last evening, landing party, the Telus Colony, was messaged by an advanced alien civilization. A tremendous battle. It looks like it was alive. From the producers of the Smash Hit, the X Files. Comes an extraordinary drama about courage. You see everything is life or death. I've seen these things we're at war with. Friendship. I'm not going to die for them. What would you going for? And the life and death struggle to save mankind from total destruction.
3: for nine o'clock. You're going in.
2: There will be a lot of new shows coming to television this fall, but one will blow everything else away.
3: Let's go.
1: Space above and beyond, coming this fall to Fox. Ooh, it's going to blow us away, Toppy! Hi. Well, I think so. Anyways, and, don't you that, fear. It's, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, I'm
0: just going to say, you could tell that that trailer came out before they were done making the <laughs> t- Because some of the sound effects that were in that Weren't the ones they used, but it sounded like they they kind of borrowed from things. Like I could swear the pew pew sounds that they were using yeah. were like from
1: Battlestar Galactica. No, no, no. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that happens. This was something that was put out before uh, a whole lot of production was put out, and and it was like you know it was like advertising and stuff. They had to put it out early.
0: Mm, it's like what the stockholders saw before they they uh, paid for one. Well, could be, could be, yeah. So, Toppy, this was back in 95, and, you know, we uh, I'm remiss to admit that this is more than a couple decades
1: ago. Yeah, it was. But why don't you tell us about uh, what was happening in the USA back in 1995? righty, US
0: history in nineteen ninety five. Hacker Evan Mittner, you know that means that he cracked the computers with code he was arrested by the FBI and charged with break into some United States. In ninety five, in Denver, Stapleton Airport closed. And it was replaced by the shiny new Denver International Airport. It looks like a city of uh, Native American tents. And it's the largest airport in the United States. In 95, astronaut Norman Thagard becomes the first American to ride into space aboard a Russian launch vehicle. And also in '95, the U.S. Congress passes the Child Protection and Obscenity Enforcement Act, which requires producers of pornography keep records of all models who are filmed or photographed, and proof that all models be at least 18 years of age. In '95, Microsoft released da 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 Windows 95. Oh, Windows 95! Yay! You know, and they they got a whole bunch of people to promote it, including the Rolling Stones. the The catchphrase was "Start me up" because you know Windows ninety five had the start button. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see now. The first ever full length computer animated feature film came out in ninety five. Toy really? Story. And Toy
1: that's, Story. That's right.
0: Yeah, it was released by Pixar which wasn't yet owned by Disney at the time. And uh, U.S. President Bill Clinton signed the National Highway System Designation Act of 1995, which ended the federal 55 speed limit. So some states you can do 65 or 70. It all depends on, uh, you know, what they put the signs are at. So anyways, in 95, Toppy, we yeah. had some people who were born and came into this world, made name for themselves, and they're still hitting the headlines. Well, of those celebrities?
1: All right, so uh, here's some celebrity voice at this time in 95. Why, it's Ireland Baldwin, model and daughter of Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger. Did you know that? Uh, Now she's just Mrs. Justin Bieber. So, there you go. That's all we got for you tonight.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you know, Alec Baldwin got kicked off the
1: plane and... Nothing else matters. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. (laughs) Uh, DJ, uh, one of the things we like to do is um, just like our shoot tonight, (laughs) Space Above and Beyond. Like, who was it going up against when it came out back in the day?
0: Okay, so this was a television show. It was on the small screen back before they became flat screens. Yeah. We were still carrying around the big old tube boxes
1: then, and pictures were square, not rectangular. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, Listen, I know because I watched these episodes, and they were square. Mm. They were square, people!
0: (laughs) So, in 95, the other programs that you might have caught on television that might have been competing for your attention, well... To give you an idea of what was going on, Space Above and Beyond, when it premiered in the fall of 95 on the Fox Network, it was featured on Sundays. It was on at 7 p.m., so maybe you'd had dinner and, you know, you sat down with the family and, well, you know, uh, maybe you're old enough to watch this because I don't know that you could have watched it unless you were at least in high school. I mean, in those days, they didn't have the TV rating systems that we have now, and I don't think we had that marvel of technology, the V-chip, yet. Not yet. uh, So, Sundays at 7 on Fox was Space Above and Beyond. Now, over on ABC, the American Broadcast Corporation, was America's Funniest Home Videos, because at the time, we could not take videos with a handheld computer you had to have this big thing that you put on your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And eventually the tapes got smaller, but <laughs> it was all about recording life's moments and... Um, well most of the time it was some poor guy
1: getting kicked in the crotch. Yeah, it really was. Listen, I just want to say DJ about this um phenomenon that became America's funniest home videos is that you know, it was before it was before the goddamn internet and 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 and, 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 and they would play the goddamn stupidest funniest goddamn things and all i know dj is that they would play these episodes and i would laugh heartily uh through the whole goddamn thing anyways i'm ashamed to say that because i don't know why i'm ashamed but i am anyways
0: you know know, uh i mean obviously the 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 poor men who were getting kicked uh that that yeah that that got old quick, but the ones that I found the funniest were usually the old people blowing out their birthday candles and okay. maybe getting spit everywhere, or the pet moments.
1: I know, I know, but the the thing that's weird is that people don't understand that this is way before all these things were immediately available on the internet. Mm. All right, let's get on.
0: Okay. So, that was ABC. Yeah, on CBS, the future home of the Big Brother there. Well, it the, the Sundays were pretty much the adult time cuz it was news shows. It was 60 minutes on Sundays at 7. Oh. And then over on NBC, the Peacock National Broadcast Company, it was Dateline. Now uh, there there was a an odd duck in there because you know <laughs> we got Fox and that brought yeah. us Simpsons, but there uh-huh. was a little station calling itself the WB. Oh God, yeah. And on Sundays, the WB, well, they were a little different because they gave us
1: uh, an animated show. They gave us Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, I'm sorry. Everybody out there, I'm sorry.
3: (laughs) All right.
1: Uh, Let's talk about the creators of this uh, uh, show, Space Above and Beyond. And what we got here are two people, Glenn Morgan and James Wong. So Glenn Morgan was born in 61. And he's an American television producer, writer, and director. He's best known for co-writing episodes of the Fox Science Fiction Supernatural drama series, The X-Files, with his partner, get this, James Wong. And he served as an executive producer on the show's 11th season. He also executive produced the Twilight Zone reboot by Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw predictions. Now we got James Wong. Listen, uh, this Glenn Morgan and this James Wong were tightly internet, and they did things together. So James Wong, born in '59, he's a Hong Kong Ameri- Hong Kong born American television producer, writer, and film director. He's best known for co-writing episodes of the Fox science fiction supernatural drama series, The X-Files, with his partner, hello, Glenn Morgan. Wong also directed the film's final destination, The One and Dragon Ball Evolution. Now, Wong's early work was as a story editor on the short lived ABC crime drama Nightwatch. Later, Wong would work on many Stephen J. Cannell productions, including Wise Guy. Remember that?
2: Hmm.
1: He was the supervising producer. Uh, Wong worked on The Commish as supervising producer and as a staff writer and story editor for 21 Jump
0: Street. Hmm. In the chat room, folks are talking about the (laughs) other channel that uh, emerged around the time of the WB, and that was UPN. Now, of course, UPN was home to Star Trek Voyager, but... More importantly, Voyager never aired opposite Space Above and Beyond, so UPN definitely was a thing in '95, but uh, it was not in competition.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So just to finish
1: out, Wong and Glenn Morgan—they—they uh, they were their entire future. Was intertwined. They worked together on all kinds of things, including the X Files and uh, and Millennium, which was an offshoot of X Files. And they would go on to do something separately, but mostly. They would do things where they were writing together and creating together, and that's Glenn Morgan and James Wong.
0: Hmm. Now, if memory serves, and I didn't get to watch much of it, um, Millennium, which was sort of a, a spinoff of the X Files, dealt more with uh, like religious fanaticism and and. Cult things, if I remember right. I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, we are at about the halfway mark in our show this evening, so we're going to step on over here to our concession stand, where Gertie is serving up some special drinks. That, well, they seem to have olives because they look like alien eyeballs. <laughs> Oh, so uh, we have uh, dug up a a clip here. It's a really brief one, though, but it's from the pilot episode of Space Above and Beyond. And this is the commanding officer giving his uh, sort of pep speech just as the squadron is about to go out on their first mission. Have a listen.
3: Sacrifice These are just the words they used To get you here Now the only word that means a damn to you Is life Yours Your buddies The one certainty in war Is that in an hour Maybe two You'll either still be alive or you'll be dead For the next hour Here's your best chance of staying alive The Trojan Asteroid Belt trails Jupiter's orbit. Our objective is to hide in the debris. This may be as difficult as engaging the enemy. You're going to have to react to the pitch and yaw of the asteroids in order to keep out of sight, shield them from LiDAR. Intelligence says they'll fly right by and jump. Now, nobody's asking you to wax their tails. Your goal is to stall them. Our forces at Groombridge 34 have doubled back and are right now passing through the Kali Wormhole. If we successfully delay the enemy, we'll have reinforcements appearing from behind them and out of the sun. And that's when we teach them something every human knows. Payback's a bitch. Now, I'm here because I've been in a knife fight with them. They come at you in groups, check your six they have a low angle of attack to keep your nose level. The planes you've been issued have an upgrade in the retro thrusters. One more
0: thing. It's okay to be scared. Okay. Back. Yeah. One of the things that the captain mentioned, or the commander, um, in his little speech there is uh, some pilot's speak some uh you know some lingo some jargon he said watch your six you have any idea what that means toppy well uh,
1: there was a little thing um with uh, uh the, the people uh, or, or this universe we could say
3: mm-hmm.
1: where uh, there were people who um were birthed at the age of 18 and mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have a history behind them. And uh, is that what you're talking about?
0: No, actually, Um. see, what I was referring to is that this is supposed to be sort of the Air Force in the future because it's just set in space with, with pilots. And when the captain was speaking, it was military speak. He said, watch your six. Now, um, one of the things that pilots will refer to is position that something is to a target. So they'll refer to the places on a clock dial, an analog clock. You've got your your nine and your twelve and your three. And they 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 actually probably use this when you were learning to drive. They tell you your position of your hands on the steering wheel should be ten and two. Same idea. So when a a pilot is referring to your six.
1: It's your tail.
0: Look behind you.
1: Right. Gotcha. Yeah, that's you know when the battle scenes came up, uh, they would say your taint. It's your taint. Anyways, <laughs> everyone was terribly. No, I get what you're saying. I get. Uh-huh.
3: What you're
0: saying. So um, you know, we just heard about the series creator Glenn Morgan and his uh, writing partner James Wong. And, of course, as we all know, it takes a boatload of talent to put something together, like a TV show, Space Above and Beyond. And so I'm going to um, talk to you about the leading man of this show. His character was Lieutenant Nathan West. Now, oh, yeah. we don't have um, the the call signs, as they call them, uh, on my, my little cheat sheet here, but... Uh, they they referred to members of the team like a, a hand uh, of playing cards, and two of the main players, the the male pilot and the female pilot, were king and queen. So yeah. Nathan yeah. West was king on the side of his aircraft, and Nathan was played by uh, up and coming mm-hmm. actor Morgan Weiser. Yeah. Now Nathan. Sorry, Morgan was born in Venice, California, and he was son of German-born Norbert Weiser. Norbert. Norbert was actually a celebrated actor of film and stage. Now, Morgan's first acting role was in the 1984 film City Limits. Which also starred Kim Cattrall and James Earl Jones, if you could imagine that combination. All right. In the five years leading up to Space Above and Beyond, Weiser would appear in eight TV roles, including guest appearances on, uh, a favorite of my sister's, China Beach, which had uh, Star Trek Voyager's Robert Picardo on it. Uh,
1: oh, no, that went way back. China Beach went way back.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, um, that show ran, I think, from 88 to 91-ish. But Jesus. It, yeah. Now, um, Morgan Weiser also had a couple of guest appearances on Scott Bakula's show, Quantum Leap in the Day. All right. And in the five years that would follow Space Above and Beyond, Weiser would appear in nine television programs, which included guest appearances on, you guessed it, The X-Files. Gee, how'd he get that gig? Huh. Uh, he also was in a show called Nash Bridges, which I believe had um, oh, uh, the star of um, Miami Vice, uh, Don Johnson, and um, I think... Um, oh, Cheech Marin. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then uh, Morgan Weiser also had uh, a guest appearance or two on uh, Matt Burlingame's favorite charm.
1: <laughs> oh, charmed! Matt, Matt's Matthew, It's charmed. Yep. He's
0: probably got a copy uh, of a minute. Uh, uh, and then he was also on NCIS. So, Morgan Weiser um, has uh, kind of calmed down on his acting efforts. He he hasn't uh, appeared in anything in the last decade, but wow. uh, to the point, he did get married in two thousand two. So, you know, acting is just sort of a side hobby, I guess. Um, and to date, Weiser has twenty seven acting credits. Now, this might actually also explain why he hasn't worked in a while. His last role was in a 2010 uh, Kevin Sorbo film. Uh, what What are
1: you insinuating?
0: Um, well, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo is kind of graduated from the yeah. Gibson class. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. work with him. But it was a, a Kevin Sorbo film called Abelar, Tales of an Ancient Empire. Uh, uh, all right. And uh, Morgan Weiser today is all of 52, so there you go. put things into perspective, I was about his age when I was watching
1: him on TV. There you go. Let's talk about Kristen Cloak. Uh, she played Lieutenant Shane Hansen. Oh,
0: she
2: was
1: the queen
0: on her ship. You yeah. Know, that was her call sign, Queen.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, uh, Kristen Ann cloak uh, is, is her full name. She's an American actress. She was in the main cast of space above and Beyond from 95 to 96 and has acted in several small parts of other TV series. She's known for her role as Valerie Luton in final, Destination from 2000 and as Lee Colvin in the slasher film Black Christmas from 2006. Coke frequently appears in productions written and produced or directed by her husband. Get this? Well, it's Glenn Morgan. Blah, blah. So, there you go. Uh, uh, Her first feature film role was in the female lead in Megaville from 1990, alongside Billy Zane. Cloak's other credits include lead parts in Fugitive Rage and a part of the family. She has also had feature roles in Stay Tuned, Mistress, and... The Marrying Man. Cloak's television credits include Wanika Road as Maybeth, Silk Stockings as Anna Overstreet, and guest appearances on One West Waikiki. Cheers. Mad About You, Dear John, Murder, She Wrote, Quantum Leap, and a lot of a series like that. Uh, In 1995, Cloak's breakout role came here on Space Above and Beyond as her role as Captain Shane Autumn. And uh, although the the, the series was canceled after this one season, uh, it resulted... In her work as Melissa, guest role in the X-Files episode, The Field, Where I Died, which was written for her. She later described the episode as a love letter between herself and producer Glenn Morgan, her then fiancé, now husband. In 1996, she received a daytime Emmy Award nomination for her performance in the ABC after-school special episode "The Long Road Home," in which she played a young wife who was difficulty relating, who had difficulty relating to her s- s- husband's son. She played the reoccurring role of Dr. Lara Meatons in the second season of Millennium. And on March 17, 2000, Cloak starred as Barry Luton in the film Final Destination. As of 2003, her most recent roles were in a 2017 episode of Lore. In the 2017 film, Lady Bird.
0: Hmm. Now, some of those credits bring back memories, Toppy. Do you remember Silk Stockings? Well,
1: I mean, only that it was this thing late night on TV (laughs) that that I never got to see. That's all I remember. (laughs) Well, when I was still living at
0: home, Friday nights I would be allowed to stay up because I could sleep in the the family room or the den as some Uh, folks call. You know that that room in our basement that was often covered with paneling? 70s and 80s yeah. and so you, I,
1: you got to see that show <laughs>
0: um I don't know that I watch silk stocking specifically I do remember commercials for it okay But. Friday nights, I would be watching USA up all night because it had Rhonda Sheer and Gilbert Godfrey, and more often than not, they would air things like
1: Weird Science. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I never, I never tuned into all that, but I know a lot about it because, well, I, I followed Gilbert Godfrey, and I. I know he did that stuff.
0: (laughs) You know, um, I think it's Rhonda Shear. She invented uh, that garment that you see at the checkout stands, the Abra, (laughs) because it's supposed to be so wonderful and comfortable for women folk. Anyway, so continuing on with our discussion of the cast of Space Above and Beyond, El Capitan, the captain, the guy in charge of this bucket (laughs) he was <laughs> played by James, not Jim, because you know one was a musician, James Morrison, and he played Lieutenant Colonel Tyrus Cassius. Yeah, that's a mouthful. T-C- and and sure,
1: yeah. Can we say, DJ, mm-hmm. that the cast of this show were young and beautiful and handsome and pretty people?
0: Oh, right. Absolutely. I mean. This was practically cast to be shown on u s a yeah 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 so uh James Morrison played lieutenant colonel tyrus cassius or t c He was born in April of fifty four in the great state of utah that's the the place to the southwest of Colorado. And uh, the, he was born in a town called Bountiful. You know, it sounds like uh, paper towels or maybe candy bars.
1: <laughs> Bountiful. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, seriously. At age nine, he and his family moved to, for some reason, Anchorage, Alaska. I, Why not? I, I have to assume that there must have been a job opportunity there. Uh, in the yeah. 70s, he attended Alaska Repertory Theater. I, I don't know what kind of a bar of excellence there is there, but, you know, if you could remember your lines. uh Then he spent a year studying in New York because, well, it's not Alaska. <laughs> and in the 80s, he moved to the West Coast.
1: So he's... Okay. You know, He's, he, he he couldn't figure out where he was going to be for a while there. Hell no! He poised himself on the West Coast where that's where the action was happening.
0: Mm-hmm. DJ. He has been in several theater productions across the U.S. and as far away as London. You know, it was in the early '90s that he started to appear in a wide variety of TV shows, including comedies, drama, sci-fi, and even horror. Some series of note include Frasier, Walker, Texas Ranger, Bob, L.A. Law, Doogie Hauser M.D., Quantum Leap, Monsters, Houston Knights, Werewolf, and the oh. any series, North and South, Book 2, Love and War. All I- right. And then even a short-lived show called Auto Man.
1: Now, in 95... <laughs> okay, what? I I remember Auto Man. Oh! Uh, and, uh, listen, nobody else needs to remember Auto Man. But <laughs> I do. Anyways, yeah, no, Auto Man, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, We'll invite hubby onto the show, and you two can
0: have an episode all about Auto Man. All right. <laughs> in '95, he landed his first series regular in the role of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tyrus Cassius McQueen, like Speed McQueen, on Space Above and Beyond. All right, that's our show tonight. Yeah, and after that, yeah. in '96, he continued to appear in several TV shows, from guest roles to main characters and he had a total of 111 acting credits to date. Now, to, to bring you up to uh, you know more recent years, in 2014, James and his wife, Riyadh G- uh, Ghalayan, co-directed and produced the feature documentary, Showing Up. Okay. The cast included such stars as stage and screen actress and uh, musician Kristen Chenoweth, Also, Richard Griffiths, Zoe Kazan, oh, and notable Nathan Lane, uh Messina, Sam Rockwell, Bill Irwin, and Eli Wallach. Now, it showcased the audition process with the cast reflecting on the process and how it affects them. James Morrison has proven himself and continues to be a very successful filmmaker, playwright, poet actor singer songwriter so he is a jack of all trades
1: definitely and we had um other cast members this was a this show had a, a big cast mm-hmm. it sure did and the full cast included Rodney Rowland as lieutenant cooper hawks tucker smallwood as Commodore Ross Bill Hunter as President of UN Uh, This was A shoe that had A big cast
2: Mm.
1: And I uh, Did not see this When it came out Uh, I Only recently saw it now uh, As I was watching It for this series Uh, DJ Did you see it when it came out
0: I did not see it in its initial run, although I knew plenty of people in the sci-fi fandom realm as I was, uh, one of my most influential experiences of my youth was being in a sci-fi fan club. And, uh, You know, uh, long story, not so short, but maybe shorter. Uh, My folks trusted me with my friends because they were all people in their 20s and 30s who'd been to college and had their kids. So, you know, if my fan club that I was in wanted to go on a road trip to the Smithsonian, hell yeah, because I'm not going to be drinking or getting in trouble. Um, (laughs) But they watched Space Above and Beyond, and I did not catch this until more recently Although I have it on good authority that this is a personal favorite, a friend of the show, Janet.
1: Okay. Listen, uh, I didn't know a a freaking damn thing about this show until I watched it. And uh, I wasn't sure about it. I mean, I'll tell you what it first reminded me of was Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about the original series because when these people were brought out on patrol and they had their helmets on and they were in their spaceships, it was virtually a reproduction of. Of what went on in Battlestar Galactica and how we saw them tear off into space from their, you know, their main spaceship, it was the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I I thought, well, okay, it's it's Battlestar Galactica. Well, okay, well we're several years. Far from Battlestar Galactica, and the scripts and the plot lines were a lot more complicated, and uh, and we got to be introduced to characters that we didn't know about. I mean, they were slow. Let's just say that in the series, they were slowly revealed. Wouldn't you say, DJ?
0: Yes, absolutely. They, they, you know, they basically gave a little bit of backstory and peppered them in and then saw how people work together.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's the strength that this show And who knew? Well, I don't know how, frankly, there was this one season of freaking 23 episodes or so. Mm -hmm. I think 23. Yeah. Uh, Listen, uh, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. 23 episodes. What we get today when we see a series on Netflix or whatever, you know, sometimes it's nine, nine episodes. Mm-hmm. How this show produced that many episodes before it even got, you know, a chance to reboot it, I don't know. But this was in an era when it was sort of like yes, there was CGI it was happening but not a lot because it was a little bit before CGI so this series had a very interesting mix of practical special effects mixed with CGI because it was just that time and it's another interesting aspect of what you saw there the images that you would see the basically through the whole thing there there was very little light on any of of the action, and uh, this, therefore the sets could be a little bit like whatever you know they put them together, and uh, they made it work you know because they had to, but it was a it was a great early mix of CGI and practical effects.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if you uh, noticed, but typically, of course, when a pilot episode is made, it's sort of a a movie, kind of a TV movie, and there are differences in the production values because, of course, oftentimes the pilot is filmed in advance of the rest of the show being picked up or green-lighted, as they call it. So some of the... Um, the production values that I saw or noticed in the pilot episode, yeah, the, the flight suits, the jumpsuits, they looked like pajama thin material that were supposed to be those coveralls that, you know, uh, grease monkeys and your mechanics are supposed to. wear. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And then the helmets that were supposed to be, you know, airtight because they're going to go into space they just looked like bike helmets with vacuum hoses
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it had problems it had problems and the show basically failed because of low ratings and you know if you heard Fox say they would basically say ah cost too much The show cost too much, and the ratings were too low, and so it disappeared. Yeah.
0: Now I don't. uh, You know, I my thoughts on this show, um, basically were that yes, it was sort of ahead of its time in that yes, it has some similarities to Battlestar Galactica, which of course. They eventually rebooted about 10 years after this was made. No, no,
1: you're right, because uh, from the moment the show launched, everything you're seeing is basically, we saw it before in Battlestar Galactica, uh, folks getting into some kind of machine that would shove them off and... It was it was exactly like Battlestar Galactica.
0: Mm-hmm. But um, you know the the uh, idea behind space above and beyond. I I kind of got the impression that this came out at the time that it did, the mid nineties, because it appealed to people who might be watching TV who had recent military service, because if you think about it, just a handful of years before Space Above and Beyond, we had the Gulf War, and I know personally, my sister married her high school sweetheart. He went off and joined the Marines, and he narrowly finished his four years of service before they started shipping people overseas to serve during the Persian Gulf War.
1: Well, you know, uh, DJ, that's true. Um, This series did seem to be an attempt to cash in on the appeal of the wartime military action of the Gulf War in 1980, 1991. And... uh, uh, there, there did seem to be a relationship there, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So some other things that you you may not pick
0: up on, but uh, might find interesting, was that Space Above and Beyond was filmed in Australia, and the year before in '94 a series of Hercules TV movies were Hercules, Hercules, Hercules built yeah, oh. in nearby New Zealand. Now, yeah. that ultimately led to a 6 series our 6 season series and a spin-off of course Xena Warrior Princess, that also had 6 seasons. And uh, as we mentioned, this uh, kind of wet the whistle for um, TV watchers because you know, there are people who had recent military service and it, it uh, eventually spawned a reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, um, now, this, feature, this series featured a very dark and desaturated color grading and apparently inherited it from the cinematography of series such as The X-Files and Millennium, which were, of course, co-produced by the same team. But it was sort of taken to a greater extreme. Now, with the increasing affordability of computer systems with performance suitable for 3D rendering, Space Above and Beyond relied heavily on computer-generated imagery for space scenes, with physical special effects still playing a significant role. The computer-generated effects of Space Above and Beyond were created by the visual effects company Area 51 using new tech, LightWave 3D, and some of the models used, such as the USS Saratoga, the uh, the ship that they launched all their their fighters from, and the alien carrier car- alien carriers lacked detailed textures and bump maps, which gave them a strongly polygonal appearance. So, um, another thing that was quite interesting I read was the the miniatures, the models that they made of the the fighter craft there. Oh. Well, they They fell into some uh, some hands of the military somebody um at the time that was uh just behind the iron curtain that fell uh apparently some Russian authorities somehow got hold of some of the models for space above and beyond, and they thought they were prototypes for American military aircraft, <laughs> okay. Ah, So, the show was planned for five seasons, but only ran for one season, and as you said, it was canceled due to low ratings. Now, it was nominated for two Emmy Awards and one Saturn Award, and ranked last in IGN, which I think is Internet Gaming Network's Top 50 Sci-Fi TV Shows. They they described it as yet another sci-fi show that went before its time, which... Okay, it's Fox. This is what they t- <laughs> canceled Alien Nation after only
1: one season. There you go. Another interesting fun fact is that Futurama, that cartoon shoe uh, that was on Fox, they used a lot of uh, sound effects uh, from uh, our t- TV show tonight. Uh, you know space above and beyond. So Mm -hmm. you might, you know, I don't know if you're a fan of that show, you might recognize a lot of those sound effects. Mm -mm.
0: So, um, you know, we're getting close to the lobby here, and uh, Gertie is uh, waiting for her Uber to show up. But I was just going to take a moment to go back and say the, um, the extended cast that we gave honorable mention to are people you might have seen on other things. Now, Bill Hunter is someone of note. This actor played the president of the UN in a couple of episodes of Space Above and Beyond. But those of you who are film um, watchers, you would have seen him in such things as Priscilla Queen of the Desert. He was the man who uh, was connected to the lady who, uh, well... She had a little naughty show with ping pong balls, and uh, the other Ah! yes, and the other film Bill Hunter was in is the iconic pop culture film with um, oh, I'm forgetting her name right now. Um, (sighs) It was Muriel's Wedding, and Bill Hunter played the uh, well, the bastard dad who was running for public office.
1: (laughs) Okay, all right.
0: Okay, so Toppy, we are out here near the lobby, and this yeah. is the time when we tell folks other things that they might enjoy if they liked Space Above and Beyond, or or maybe they're just hearing about Space Above and Beyond and are wondering what else they could yeah. get their right. meaty little paws on. So, yeah, I'll go first. I'm gonna recommend a movie which is made just two years after Space Above and Beyond. This was a film that starred uh, Easy on the Eyes, Mr. Eyes, Casper Van Deen, with Denise Richards and up-and-coming Neil Patrick Harris, who... Oh, my God, that and, little guy. Yeah, yeah, who finally grew up and, uh, you know... More recent years, he's doing a lot more work. But anyways, I'm going to recommend 1997 Starship Troopers. And the story is humans in a fascist militaristic future wage
1: war with giant alien bugs. Wow, the alien bugs. Now, I saw this when it came out, DJ, and it was like, wow, yeah, boy, there was nothing else like it at the time. And it was just like... An army slugging on fucking, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> uh, goddamn weirdo, uh, you know, space aliens. I mean, and, uh, yeah, that that was Starship Troopers.
0: I mean, it didn't hurt that they had co ed locker rooms and that ever most of the people that, um, uh, defrocked
1: probably had done adult films. Okay, that did happen. You're right, DJ. <laughs> that did happen. All right, so okay, star, Starship Troopers, DJ. That's a good suggestion. I'm going to suggest Aliens from 1986. It was a science fiction action film written and directed by James Cameron. It's a sequel. To the 79 science fiction horror film Alien and the second film in the Alien franchise. So set in the far future, it stars Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. Yeah, Ripley, baby. You got it. Uh, The sole survivor of an alien attack on a ship. When communications are lost with a human colony on the moon, where her crew first saw the alien creatures, Ripley agrees to return to the site with a unit of colonial marines to investigate. And that's where this this movie lines up it's a military movie where we we see the military moving in on a threat and and that's that's the thing i see an association with space above and beyond a military unit moving in on a threat there you go and I think this is the
0: installment that has the traumatized little Goyle.
1: Oh, yeah, because she, yeah, she says mostly. Uh, yeah, mostly.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know. She's anyways. a
0: fiber, like
1: Beyonce would say. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, no, that was a aliens is a military movie of of, of this force going in. And that's what it is.
0: Yeah. So uh, before we let the folks know what's coming up, I just wanted to give a uh, honorable mention here. In the chat room, we've had a, a recurring guest pop up here. Mr. V. Money is in the chat room And as we were discussing Starship Troopers He happened to mention that That shower scene in that movie solidified My homosexuality
1: Oh dear, do you know what he's talking about DJ, can you Oh yeah. Can you uh, elaborate mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well you know It
0: was that communal scene with The aforementioned possible adult film stars <laughs> Okay so, Toppy, you know, uh, we have this thing we do to tell folks about what's coming up next. Got a bag of coins here, magician left. Could you grab, a, reach up there on the shelf for me?
1: All right, here we go. Here we go. Get those coins. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna put that in the machine. Yeah. All right.
0: Hey, yeah. okay, little capsule pops out there.
1: Ew. All right. Well. Uh, Listen, folks, next time, it's a 1964, believe it or not, yeah, 64, wartime thriller. It stars James Garner and Eva Marie Saint. It's by the writer of Miracle on 34th Street, if you want to know, and noted author Roald Dahl. Uh, Here we go, folks. Germans kidnap an American major and try to convince him that World War II is over so that they can get details about the Allied invasion of Europe out of them. Now, folks, next time it's a movie called 36 Hours mmm and when that when's that going to be Toppy? oh well the next time we do this little shoe March Friday March 1st at 9 pm eastern it's a Friday folks and that's when we do it
0: All right. A few steps closer to uh, Mother Nature waking up from her long nap, I hear. Kind of, kind (laughs) of, kind of. Okay, Toppy. So before we uh, do the Beverly Hillbillies wave goodbye, peek over the balcony for me and let us know who was in the chat room.
1: Well, we we really love, uh, we do the show live, folks, don't you know? And... Really really do appreciate the people come by and participate live. And tonight we've got Billy Star Sage, we've got Lamont Cranston, we've got Matt from Chubbs Gone Wild, we've got our pal, Ty Hashbrowns. and we've got V Money 7707. And we thank you all very much. For participating and just hanging out with us. We really love it. Thank you.
0: Oh, and a round of applause for our regulars. Yeah. All right, Choppy. Well, it's time for us to make like that old couple on the radio. Could you say good night the way Gracie Allen once did? Yeah, well of course.
1: Uh Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to matineeminutia.com.
0: Click the YouTube icon for live video. Enter Discord or chat.
1: You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com Tweet us on Twitter at matineeminutia Find our group on Facebook Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing?
0: Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com